Greetings. My name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And my name is Georgie Borman. And this is episode 62 of Inside Quizzing. A podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible. And in this episode 62, we, of course, are excited and pleased to welcome Georgie to the podcast, a former quizzer, who's going to talk about her experience in quizzing and everything that that has meant to her. And we're going to also talk about the quiz meet that is upcoming, a third virtual, well, third for Pacific Northwest virtual quiz meet. Uh, it's going to be an interdistrict meet. So we're going to be talking about how that's going to shake out. It's going to involve uh, PNW. It's going to include Othello, in fact, uh, our, our new team, although temporary team uh, from Central Washington. And then it'll include uh, CMD, West Can, and Metro District. So we'll talk a bit about that and some of the details around how that meet is going to happen. And then, of course, a very, very important question, which is diving into the correlation if not causation of the quizzer slash nerd connection when it comes to quizzing in uh, in terms of like, well, if you're a quizzer, do you need to be a nerd first or does the nerd come naturally and all things thereof. So with that said, I would, I am very pleased to introduce our special guest, Georgie. Uh, she was a quizzer from 2005 to 2009. And I believe you were a, uh, you were an internationals quizzer all four years. Is that right? Um, I think I quizzed five years and four of them. I went to internationals. Wow. First one, the first one I didn't. Well, okay. Understand, understandable. That's a (laughs) difficult thing to do as a rookie, a nearly impossible thing to do as a rookie. Uh, that's an impressive, uh, impressive, uh, quizzing resume, but she's also got a a very other impressive uh, parts of her resume. She is a prolific. Hold on. Hold on. I think I got that wrong. No, I did because I started quizzing in, in seventh grade and that made that meant I was old enough to qualify. So I did qualify, but I basically got drafted because um, somebody couldn't, somebody in front of me couldn't go. So I think I placed seventh overall. And then it was the last year that I didn't quite finish out. I was in the middle of community college and, and I, yeah, I just couldn't do it anymore, but. Very cool. I just want to correct the record. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Well, so in addition to being a former quizzer, you are a prolific writer. You're a senior contributor at The Federalist and you're a co-author, I believe with your husband, Cody, right? That's right. That's with a a great book, Clocking Out Early, The Ultimate Guide to Early Retirement. Uh, I highly recommend this book uh, for really anybody, but I especially encourage folks who are, let's say, getting close to graduating from high school and folks in college and about ready to exit college. I think it's a phenomenal book for that sort of age range. I wish this book had existed when I was in that age range. And I also wish that somebody had, you know, recommended it to me at that time. It probably would have done me a world of good uh, back then. I've since recovered from that, you know, moment in my life, but um, uh, definitely required some recovery that I probably should have been able to avoid had I read your book. Um, so Georgie is also the host of the 180 uh, cast where she interviews uh, people who have changed their minds on important political and social issues. And she's also a regular guest on the Kevin McCullough. Is that how you say it? Radio show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And other talk show programs. So with that said, Georgie, welcome. And Scott, why don't you uh, kick off our, our interview uh, portion? You kind of ran briefly through your quizzing history, Georgie, but do you want to give us any more information about your quizzing history? Um, yeah, sure. So I I started quizzing in, in seventh grade, which meant that, like I said, I could go to internationals the first round. I was woefully underprepared, having 
not actually ever expecting like I didn't I never expected to make it to internationals my rookie year um I was I didn't even place in the top five I placed seventh overall uh but I sort of got drafted into going and I was like oh okay and and I did okay um but that was like the only year out of all of them where I didn't um memorize actually every single verse I think I had I think that was James and Romans I memorized all of James and then I memorized a couple of chapters of Romans and then the rest were just key verses in Romans. And I, and I did pretty well with that. But after I went to internationals, I was like super jazzed about Bible quizzing. I just fell in love with it. It was, it was so much fun. I liked the fact that there were um, so many different ages that were doing exactly the same thing and that everybody could participate on the same level, whether you were 13 or whether you were 18 and, um, getting to know a bunch of other Bible quizzers who were indeed nerds, as you mentioned before. And, and from that point, I was like, oh, I have to go every year now. There's, there's no going back now. And so I went the next um, few years until I got into community college. I did running start at Tacoma Community College. Um, I quizzed for Fox Island Alliance. And uh, getting into community college, I kind of like ended up with a lot on my plate and there was some other stuff going on, and so I couldn't finish out that year. Um, I think that was first and second Corinthians. Um, but it quizzing just quizzing changed my life. It was awesome. It was it was something that equipped me going forward. I think in a way that hardly anything else can because of the skills of memorization, and also you have that sportsman sort of team like atmosphere where you're you're working together with other people so it's kind of like the benefits of of um I don't know like some sort of like math bowl quiz bowl type thing but also the benefits that you get of playing sports so I I just think that that's a fusion that's really really hard to find anywhere I don't think that there's anything quite like bible quizzing and that's why it needs to survive and grow and thrive very cool. I do think that the parallels to sports are um, apt and very interesting because sports are not for everybody, but there are often the lessons and values from sports. Or I guess we discuss on a past podcast whether quizzing is a sport, so it doesn't really matter what we label it as or not. But <laughs> it lots is a sport. The, the... <laughs> it, it is officially a sport. We we do we decided. I think it makes um, sense because it is a team. It's it's a team thing, and it's it's a team thing in a way that's more than just, okay, now it's your turn, and okay, now it's your turn, um, which I think, like, sort of those, what do you call them, like, bowls or or even, like, debate teams, it, that's different, and the team environment, I, I think, is just one of the best parts about it, and that was really important for me, because I was a super, like, very, very introverted teenager. Um, I was the one who just sat in the corner with my quiz book. And if somebody came up and sat next to me, I was happy to talk to them, but I had the hardest time getting out there and like making friends and talking to people. But in quizzing, I think that there were so many other introverts there as well that it was just much easier for me to make friends and connect with people. And then also like that team environment where you're forced to cooperate with other people and plan and strategize and you're constantly encouraging each other and lifting each other up like that. I mean, that was, I think 
out of anything that happened in my teenage years, I feel like quizzing was the most formative. What were some highlights of your quizzing experience, if you have not already touched on them? Um, I Internationals was really fun, like all the times I went. there When we went to, the, the year it was at Wheaton College, I think maybe it was ninth grade, there was this massive thunderstorm. Like, it was massive. And uh, it was at night after all of the, the quizzing had, had finished and everything. But that was just one of the coolest memories was, like, being with my teammates and, like, running outside in this, like, massive downpour. And there's, like, thunder and lightning everywhere. And um, we played a ton of, like, um, Frisbee, Ultimate Frisbee out in the field and stuff during that trip. And there's just a lot of great memories, a lot of great memories going to Calgary for invitationals um, and those trips in, in the vans and just like being stuck in close quarters with people and like <laughs> being, being forced to live with each other and, and, and get to know each other. And um, there was this one time where I, okay, I'm just going to tell a really embarrassing story. And hopefully this is the only embarrassing story I tell. But when we went to invitationals up in Calgary, uh, I think it was Mr. Small from, Fox Island Alliance Church, who was running the quizzing program over there, decided that we were all going to go walk like a mile and a half down the road to McDonald's and go get ice cream. And we were doing that. And on the way back, I'm like eating my ice cream and I'm looking down. We're walking down the side of the, the road like it was, it was a very busy, like freeway, basically. And I ran straight into a telephone pole, like smack dab in the forehead, right into the telephone pole. And the bruise and the bump came up almost immediately. It was, I've never run into a pole since, but that was because it was so painful. Fantastic. Was that quizzing, in Calgary? Yeah, it was in Calgary. But quizzing provides a lot of like those, those fun moments. There's, you know, lots of inside jokes and stuff like that. Like it was, yeah, some of my best times as a teenager were in either, you know, doing the Bible quizzing or things that are tangential to Bible quizzing. That's probably true of a lot of youth activities, I would imagine. Um, what influence did quizzing have on you, both professionally and spiritually? Well, I think the being able to memorize so much of the Bible and not just memorize verses, but memorize things in context and have all of that in your head and to be able to sort of process very big portions of scripture um, was really important for me to really understand what the writer was getting at you know so most of the things I memorized were written by the Apostle Paul and a lot of times if you're just listening to to sermons or doing casual devotionals and stuff they'll they'll be like a snippet you know there'll be a few verses and you're supposed to sort of contemplate those but in, in Bible quizzing you're looking at literally entire books that you basically download into your brain. You don't get to do that anywhere else that I know of. And coming out of quizzing with that understanding that actually context matters. And when you hear somebody say something from Romans or whatever, and it says, blah, blah, blah. And, and this obviously means this. Well, then you sort of have the capability of sitting there and evaluating that and saying, hmm, I seem to remember a few paragraphs up it actually says something like this. And that would change the meaning of this thing that we're talking about now. So that's that's something that's really invaluable. I mean, memorizing scripture isn't something that 
people have put a lot of emphasis on lately, but it really is, it's more than just rote memorization, like you're memorizing, you know, pi to the 90th digit or something like that. You're putting, you're memorizing the, like, literally the most important thing you could possibly memorize ever. So why wouldn't you take take that opportunity? And if you're in, quiz, in quizzing, why wouldn't you take that opportunity as far as, as it will go and memorize as much as you can? There's, there's literally no downside to that. There is no downside. It's not like you're playing football or something and you end up breaking your leg. Like there's no downside to memorizing the Bible. And I always remember I would have to push myself a little bit to sit down and actually take the time out of my day and do the memorization. But when I did, I never, ever regretted it. I never regretted it. So, you know, that's that's the bottom line on, on quizzing, in my opinion, is you, you're not going to there's there's nothing else that is more important for you to memorize and you're you're not going to regret it. So why not give it all you have? So given your, you know, track record in quizzing, I mean, you know, qualifying for internationals so quickly and then, you know, being able to maintain that year after year, that's that can feel very daunting to people who understand what that means. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable achievement. What kind of advice would you have for, say, rookies coming into quizzing or folks, say, like right now who are contemplating uh, getting involved with quizzing for the first time this fall? What kind of advice would you have for them in terms of like preparing either now or how they prepare or perhaps what to expect as a rookie coming into the quizzing program? Yeah. I, I would say it depends on what your goals are and what you think that you're capable of. I would always err on the side of you're more capable you you're more capable than you think you are in terms of the memorizing and in terms of the speed and and you know being able to jump quick enough to get the question um, and having confidence in yourself that that you you know the right answer. Um, I would always like err on the side of you're more capable than you think you are in that your memory is a muscle and the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. And the more, you know, even just contextually, just like, you know, you know more than the key verses, but you, you don't quite have everything memorized. All of that helps in giving you the confidence to be able to be the first one setting that buzzer off and be able to go up, to go up to the mic and, and give the right answer. Um, so, I, I would start with that, but you don't have to put a lot of pressure on yourself. I know that kids nowadays, like especially in middle school and high school, they face a lot of pressure. They take a lot of tests at school. There are social pressures. There's pressure coming from all directions. And it might seem like if you're a quizzer or you're thinking about going into quizzing, it's like, wow, I'm going to put even more pressure on myself. Do I really want to do that? Um, sorry. <laughs> you're going to put, it seems like, wow, you're going to put even more pressure on yourself. Do you really want to do that? But just take it step by step. You say, maybe, you know, you can commit, you have a busy schedule. You can commit to memorizing the key verses. I know you have time in your day to memorize key verses. And if you think you don't, you need to download one of those apps on your phone that tracks how much you use your phone and then come back and tell me your, or, or tell your potential coach, yeah, I don't have time 
to do Bible quizzing um, because most people spend like a third of their day on their phones or at least a fifth, something like that. So you have more time than you think you do. And if you can memorize key verses every week, just start with that. And then if you if if you like that, then continue and push yourself farther and farther. It's it's a lot like exercise. At first, it's hard. At first, you seem like what it sounds like. What's the point? But then once you actually get into it and you see the benefits of it and how satisfying it is and how much fun it is to actually be a participant instead of just be a bench warmer, um, I, I think that that would really push you as a rookie to really give it your best shot and and, you know, see how far you can go with it. You're smarter than you think you are. You're more capable than you think you are. You have more time than you think you have. And trust me, I'm looking back 10, 11 years down the road, I have learned these lessons. All of those things have held true my entire life, okay? So um, it, it, there's just go for it. Just go for it. And if it really ends up being miserable, then maybe you could talk to your parents about, hey, maybe quizzing isn't right for me. But you have to give it a chance before you can pass up on it. Yeah, that's very true. So, I, I mean, I think you and I have talked about this in some conversations in the past. I know both you and your husband are very uh, serious about your faith and very serious about your uh, involvement with your church and so forth. So uh, sort of a leading question. I sort of know where I, I think I know where you're going to answer this anyway. But why, from your perspective, do you think quizzing is, is important, not so much for the individual, which you've, you know, certainly touched on, but in general, in, in terms of, say, the American Christian church and our current sort of um, Christendom in America? Yeah, well, church in America, particularly, you know, mainline Protestant churches suffer severely from biblical illiteracy. And one of the best ways to address biblical illiteracy is to have people memorize the Bible. And when you have so much of scripture in your brain, that's really important in keeping you grounded. It's not just reminding you on the day-to-day about, you know, like having peace or, or things like that. And it's not even just about those key core verses, you know, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you know, John 3.16, stuff like that. It's that level of knowledge keeps you from being swayed by heresy. And there are a lot of false teachers that you have even more exposure to nowadays because of the internet and because of social media that will try and convince you of this, that, and the other thing, especially more on the new age side of things. They'll be like, yeah, we believe in, in Jesus. And yeah, we believe, you know, he, he was resurrected, he was resurrected and this, that, and the other thing. And then they'll sort of lead you along but if you know your Bible, you're going to be like, no, I'm sorry, I, red flag there, red flag there. I know that you're a false teacher. I can go ahead and dismiss you and warn other people that this is not a direction that you should go in. Um, so for your own spiritual safety and for the edification of the church as a whole to actually know scripture and have it in your brain and be very familiar with it, even if you don't you know, keep that memorization for very long. You're still going to be very familiar with those texts for a very long time, especially if you keep going back to them over and over again. That's such a benefit to the church in terms of keeping you on the straight and narrow and guiding other people in the way that they should go. 
and you know there's there's so many there's so many like bad doctrines and heresies that are constantly trying to creep into the church and the best defense against that is to know your bible so i mean i think that speaks for itself yeah absolutely and obviously i i completely agree with everything you've been saying I want to provide some announcements and updates regarding our next virtual quiz meet, the CMA Open Virtual Interdistrict Quiz Using Internet Zoom. It is upcoming May 8th and 9th. And as I mentioned uh, in the earlier show announcements, the districts invited are PNW, CMD, Westcan, and Metro. There's a registration deadline. It's coming up at the end of this week. Uh, PNW has an online registration spreadsheet. If you need uh, a link to that spreadsheet or you need access to that spreadsheet, please email the show, iq at cbqz.org, and we'll get you a link to register. Any quizzer in PNW is eligible to participate in the interdistrict uh, quiz meet coming up on May 8th and 9th. You don't necessarily have to be in the top 25 or place in any particular way. Uh, any PNW quizzer is welcome. Uh, and so, so, of course, we would like to try and get as many PNW quizzers involved as possible. And to that end, the team that quizzed with us at the last virtual meet from Othello said they would like to participate in the May 8th, 9th meet as well. So that'll be uh, fantastic. And Scott, do you have some uh, stuff to share with us in terms of officials and uh, sort of the prelim bracket scorekeeper, not scorekeeping, statistician-y kind of stuff? So we will try to have officials from all four districts. There is a little bit more overhead involved in quiz mastering virtually because you have to arrange three different softwares on the screen, maybe just two. Um, so there's a little bit more tech there. Definitely not um, a crazy amount or something that is hard to handle, but is just a little bit different than quiz mastering in person. PNW might be over-representative because we've already done this a few times and probably will have... Um, scores of willing officials. The question set will be the PNW official question set, which um, just kind of ends up being a conglomeration of whatever questions we can find and then um, make sure that they're good. So um, I think this is adapted from my district set from eight years ago, which was already probably a combination of multiple districts or writers. So it... it I guess it's our set, but it's, in a way, kind of everybody's. Um, and then we have no idea what sort of prelim bracket we'll set up yet. It will depend on the number of teams, which will drive number of prelims, number of quiz rooms, all that jazz. And then number of teams will very definitely drive what kind of semifinals or, or consolation brackets we do. Because there's a lot of figuring out you got to do there. You don't want to have a consolation bracket of two teams or three teams. Um, and multiples of nine work best. So we will see how many teams we get by the deadline. Do we have a, some sort of deadline? We do. Yeah, end of this we, week. We, yeah, we do. It's the end of this week. So um, I think there's two different deadlines. Uh, one's the end of the month, April 30th, and one is uh, May 1st. I think the registration, I have two separate ones for uh, PNW versus uh, the other districts. I think PNW's deadline is the end of this month on the 30th, and I think the other districts have until May 1st, although I could have that backwards. But it's it's coming up pretty soon. It's only, you know, just, you know, two, three, four days away or so. So, uh, you know, anybody who has an interest in participating, please don't delay. Uh, please get yourself registered as soon as you can. 
Yeah, I think that's all. Do, do you have any idea how many teams we might have, Griffin? Like, we're probably expecting at least nine, but do you think we'll have 18? I have no idea at this point. I know that Metro is, oh, uh, Alan just told me and then I forgot. He's, I think two. I think we're going to have two Metro teams or maybe three. Maybe he said there's going to be three. There's either two or three Metro teams. There's going to be, I think, probably five teams from PNW. Uh, and in terms of CMD, CMD and, and West Can, I, I honestly have no idea at this point. I know there's going to be at least some number of teams from each, but I, I couldn't tell you what, they, what they're going to be. Cool, but it should be a good number of teams, and this would be the third virtual meet, and we're gaining information about how, what, how virtual quizzing works. And yeah, I don't know if we want to report conclusions or keep testing, but I think it's, it is an interesting format for quizzing, uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely is interesting. I mean, it's it's definitely not the same. It's not, in my opinion, uh, just my opinion. It's it's not as good as in person meets. Uh, it, there is some value to it. I think it's it's great that folks you know who don't normally physically meet, uh, you know, parents and grandparents and so forth, uh, folks who don't necessarily travel to every meet, they're able to listen in and uh, cheer on to some degree or for some very clever definition of cheering, they're able to participate in the quiz meets virtually this way. So that's a positive. It's a positive in the sense that virtual quizzing is better than not quizzing at all. Uh, certainly in our current state of not being able to physically quiz together uh, in person. But it, I do miss the in-person. There's a lot to be said for the in-person atmosphere, uh, the the cheering, the, the energy that's in the room, the encouragement that can uh, quickly be shared between quizzers on a team and between teams that are competing against each other. That's one of the aspects of quizzing that I particularly like is the encouraging atmosphere that's there and sort of just the energy that's in the building or buildings where a quiz meet takes place. It's uh, it's really great to be a part of that and to experience that. And we can't do that virtually, uh, but we can do things like uh, in this particular virtual meet, we are quizzing with CMD and West Can, PNW is, which we do only once a year, but we do do that once a year and it, it does take a couple of days to travel to a location where we can all meet together but we're also including metro uh this year which is something that would pretty much never happen if not for virtual quizzing uh except at, at internationals and so being able to have this sort of interdistrict uh sort of relationship here and doing that virtually is a fantastic thing i'm i'm really excited about it but so i mean I, there there are positives and negatives uh it'll be interesting to see how things progress in terms of jump timing uh, the second, uh, virtual meet for PNW, we had more quizzers involved than our first meet. I didn't really notice any major jumping differences relative to the first meet in terms of, you know, number of quizzers and skill levels versus jump timing and so forth. So it will be really interesting to see how this progresses with, uh, when we're including, you know, four districts rather than just one and uh, see how that kind of shakes out in terms of jumping and maybe even pre-jumping and, and in terms of who gets the jump and so forth. And of course, you know, these are not lightweight districts. Uh, CMD, West Can, Metro, these are all great districts. Uh, so being able to participate together, it's going to give us some really great 
uh, events, a really great time to experience, but it's also going to give us some very interesting data, you know, from a, from a quizzing nerd perspective about what, what we can do with, with, uh, virtual quizzing, uh, you know, even into the future. I mean, certainly virtual quizzing is never going to replace, I hope it never replaces in-person quizzing, but it can be an interesting supplement. So we'll see how things progress. Yeah, I think a lot of those surrounding things in quizzing you will never get virtually, right? The All the in-person stuff that you don't get from virtual anything compared to in-person. Um, I will be really interested to see the <clears throat> kind of nuts and bolts competitive side of quizzing, see how closely that can be tested virtually. Um, I think if you had software that was able to programmatically or automatically stop the reading of a question when someone jumps virtually, I think that could be very interesting. Because um, right now, I would imagine that there's enough, not necessarily variation, but um, it is a little bit less precise than in-person quiz mastering and jumping. And as you get more and more competitive and accomplished quizzers, um, you need those that level of precision for them to be able to differentiate among themselves. And if you don't have that level of precision, you kind of just end up with one big competitive glob, um, a very good competitive glob, but still um, not really able to differentiate yourself. I think thus far we have not needed that level of precision for the quizzers to differentiate themselves. The scores that we got looked very similar to what I would have expected to see in an in-person meet. Um, but I would imagine um, that would change, especially because at meets like Great West or Internationals or Winter Nationals, the difference in average from Quizzer 5 to Quizzer 40 is often very, very small, whereas in the district it's quite a bit larger. Yeah, indeed. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that shakes out. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, especially considering that the technology that we use uh, for virtual quizzing it was really just kind of thrown together here. Uh, I mean, we use Zoom in a particular way, but there's nothing all that special about Zoom that we're that we're using. Uh, we use Slack, uh, but again, we could switch and use Discord. I mean, there's really nothing inherently special about Zach, uh, Slack that we're using uh, uniquely, per se. Uh, we are using CBQZ, which is, you know, customized program for quizzing, highly customized, and so forth. But, I mean, we were using CBQZ before, so it's really nothing new for virtual quizzing. So, you know, it, there, there has been some talk and some discussion about writing some programming specifically for virtual quizzing. And I've been wanting to be fairly encouraging towards some of that activity. Uh, actually, I want to be encouraging to all activity related to, to quizzing, uh, because you never know where the innovations are going to come from. Uh, but I think what virtual quizzing could benefit from, especially at the upper levels, like Scott, like what you're talking about is a means of almost like our own version of zoom, like a, a private, um, customized version of zoom that has jump buttons. And when a quizzer clicks on that button, it cuts the audio and some way to be able to sync the idea of, of where in the audio one person jumped versus another person and then sync that back to essentially a, a account for internet internet lag. There really hasn't been a lot of lag problems that we've experienced in our in our both our tests and our 
virtual meets, but uh, I'm sure that, you know, as we add people and we add distance, we may encounter some of that. So I don't know, it'll be, it'll be nice to be able to have some of those tools there. But of course, that being said, what we're talking about here, a customized version of Zoom built from the ground up is not something that you can uh, develop within a matter of a few weeks. So, you know, it's a fairly significant investment of time for something that may not really have much uh, necessity in coming years. That being said, maybe there there is some necessity for it long term. So maybe it's worth the investment. So, you know, that that being that said, uh, that's why I want to be very encouraging to folks who feel interested in coding against this sort of problem. Uh, go ahead and code against it. Give it a try. The worst case that worst case scenario is you've invested some time trying to build something for quizzing and you learn something through through the process, which is not a horrible thing. And uh, there's a lot of potential upside where the innovation could be used uh, for a lot of invitational meets between districts that normally just see each other only at internationals. So it could be a really good thing. I think this brings us to our last show note. Do you yes, want to kick it off, Griffin? This looks like I your can. idea here. Well, it was my idea. So, <laughs> you know, we, we joke ab about the fact that we are uh, quizzing nerds uh, all the time. And of course we joke, but we're not really joking. We really are quizzing nerds. Uh, some of us more than others. And of course, there really isn't one kind of nerd. So, I mean, Scott and I are both quizzing nerds, but we're different kinds of quizzing nerds to some degree. You know, Scott's way more into the stats uh, part of quizzing than I am, you know. And so th there's different different focuses and sort of nerd effects that happen with quizzing. And so I wanted to kind of raise a couple of questions about this. And of course, I've talked to a bunch of people at, at various invitational meets and at internationals and so forth. And we're all sort of quizzing nerds together. And of course, if you're listening to a podcast about uh, quizzing, you're probably a quizzing nerd. So, you know, we're all sort of these, these kind of quizzing nerds together. But is there a correlation or is there a causation factor even? So the first question really for discussion is, does being a top tier quizzer require you to be a nerd first? So Scott, what do you think about that? Well, I'd never really thought about this. And it, I mean, our discussion now just prompted me to Google the definition for nerd and it is not flattering. And I, you know, I wonder how the usage of it has maybe changed over time. Because Merriam-Webster says the definition of a nerd is an unstylish, unattractive, or socially inept person, especially one slavishly devoted to intellectual or academic pursuits. So I think more the second half of that is, I would imagine, the, uh, a more common use of nerd, um, like someone who is super bookish or um, into, you know. But I think it is probably an old stereotype or dichotomy that people who are into intellectual things are either not good looking or not physically talented, right? When there's no, there's not really any real dichotomy between the two, right? Um, and so I just, I don't know if you have comments on how you think the word nerd is used more in this culture, because I feel like it, it might be used more um, admirably than 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I think absolutely. When when I was in junior high, nerd was absolutely derogatory. There was no, there was no, not no, there was virtually no positive 
meaning or connotation around nerd. If you were a nerd, it was sort of like you were the the sort of the unacceptable leftovers. But I think the technological revolution, the information revolution really uh, happening in the 90s and 2000s and so forth has changed us as a culture where being a nerd now is highly prized. Uh, it, it's sort of the you know, people aspire to be nerds. And, and I think for good reason, we prize nerdship if there is such a thing. And if not, I just made it up. Uh, and in a way, maybe the word nerd is merging with the word geek, right? So, I mean, of course, I just had to look, I just had to Google this as well. So from, you know, Wikipedia, the word geek is a slang term originally used to describe eccentric or non-mainstream people. Uh, so, of course... If you're going to be really gifted at something, whatever that something happens to be, you sort of have to be eccentric and non-mainstream, right? So, and then this goes for sports, right? If you're going to be a really great football player, you basically can't be a mainstream person because mainstream people are good at football, but they're good at many things, right? And so I think being eccentric allows someone to have a particular like a narrowing of focus, let's say, that allows them to become really great at the things that they are focusing their attention on. And so, you know, bring, circling that back around to quizzing, uh, you know, does does that geek nerd focus, does that need to be a prerequisite? Does that need to exist before somebody can become a top-tier quizzer? Or can a top-tier quizzer develop out of somebody who isn't necessarily hyper-focused like that, but is just, uh, you know, either gifted or at least passionate enough to put in the time with quizzing. And of course, I'm, I'm sort of talking in circles here because we've previously discussed how, you know, really to be good at quizzing, there isn't, there isn't sort of like a quizzing gene or like, you know, one person is really good at quizzing more than somebody else. It's really very correlated with time investment, right? I would say so too. So I think a more general definition of nerd is that slavish devotion. And it's definitely used in devotion to a certain type of thing. Like, I don't know if we would call doctors biology nerds, like maybe some people do. Um, But I think anyone who has um, a lot of interest and spends a lot of their time on a single thing might be called a nerd about that certain thing. And I I definitely think that to be good at quizzing, because it requires some sort of a quite large time investment to be very good um, that you have to be some level of nerd because then you have some level of predisposition towards slavish devotion to a single thing or a certain thing, not, not necessarily one thing at a time. Yeah, indeed. Well, my second question, I think we've already answered here, but does being a nerd give you an advantage in quizzing? And so if we're going to define nerd as focusing your attention to the exclusion of other activities. And I'm not saying complete exclusion, right? We're, we're just saying there is a relative focus of attention on, say, you know, spending some time memorizing uh, relative to mainstream people, let's say, people who are not involved in quizzing, which, of course, would be, you know, that that accounts for 100% of the delta right there. But uh, does being d- does having that focus give you an advantage in quizzing? And I think absolutely it does, right? I mean, I, th- cause I think the more time investment you put into prep, the better quizzer you'll be. Now, 
you may not necessarily get first place in your district. You might not necessarily get first place at, at internationals. Uh, there is that sort of upper tier where it becomes really, really hard to move, say, from, say, fifth place to second place or something like that. But if you want to be in, say, what, I don't know, the top 10%, uh, maybe even top 5% of quizzers, I think it's really just about the time. I mean, Scott, do you have a different opinion on that? No, I would say, it, especially if you're talking about like 10%, it's definitely about the time. If you're talking about the top 1%, um, there would be more emphasis placed on um, how you spend the time. Because <laughs> um, like I remember a quizzer who put in a good amount of time and then went to internationals and did very poorly. That didn't really reflect how well they knew the material because they didn't know some of those finer points, um, which, um, yeah, which is probably what it requires to get to a, a, a higher percent. But yeah, I'd, I'd say anyone who has experience practicing slavish devotion to a thing, um, that will help them if they want to then practice slavish devotion to Bible quizzing. Otherwise, it's kind of a, a skill or a practice that you need to learn or be coached in, if you even want it, right? Right. Well, then my last question, does being a top tier quizzer convert you into being a nerd? And, and let's let's define top tier quizzer. Let's say does. So we, we've said before that if you want to get into the top 10 percent, you really just need to invest the time. There isn't like a quizzing gene. There isn't you don't necessarily need to have a great coach, uh, although that certainly helps. It's really just about the quizzer investing the the time right so let's say you're you're a a mainstream quizzer uh you know a sort of typical normal quizzer but you invest the time you get into the into the top 10 percent and once you are now in the top 10 percent does being in the top 10 percent and your experience of quizzing in the top 10 percent of the district ultimately cause the person to be converted into something of a nerd Something of, yes, I would say so. I think usually if someone is being called a nerd just in general, they probably have slavish devotion to a couple interests at a time and not just one thing. Um, and I imagine that society and culture will change over time because definitely when we think of nerd, we definitely think of um, intellectual or academic or technological sort of pursuits. But um, yeah, I guess yeah. it, it kind of makes someone someone of a nerd. But I mean, I'm... I'm fairly technological, but and I, I work in at a tech company, and the vast majority of my coworkers are crazy into video games, and I am just not at all, you know. And so there's, um, yeah, everyone has tribes that they are a part of, right? Right. I think I think by getting, I I generally want to believe that being in the top ten percent will cause you to become something of a nerd. Uh, maybe not slavishly devoted to memorizing, but I think you'll get more interested in in quizzing. So the the idea being that, like, I've always felt, you know, going back to my very first days of coaching, that if you can get a quizzer to memorize one verse, you can get them to memorize two. And if you can get them to memorize two, you can get them to memorize five. And if they go to five, you can get them to go to ten. And it's like each time they're memorizing more verses, they go to the meet and they get kind of this, I don't know, 
not adrenaline, but I mean, I, adrenaline's part of it, but there's some, there's something about going to a quiz meet and quizzing with material you've memorized and getting the jumps and getting some questions that energizes people to go back and memorize more and to invest more time. And so if you can, as a coach, if you can somehow kind of kickstart that sort of feedback loop to happen, that really is the thing that kind of progresses, you know, entry-level rookies into becoming more advanced, committed quizzing nerds over time, right? And so, like, part of me really wants to believe that, like, yeah, if a quizzer gets into the top 10%, they are just sort of naturally going to gravitate toward, just mentally, they're going to be interested in the things that are going to be about the details of quizzing. Sure. I think it would be very interesting to talk to top quizzers over the years and find out what their motivations were um, and find out if they were similar or not, or if they were very different. I would imagine that they would actually be very different. Um, and cause I think, yeah, there's diff- a lot of different motivations and I've witnessed, I think at least four pairs of siblings where the elder sibling seemed more interested. Well, more interested to just brute force quizzing and spend a lot and a lot of time. And then the younger sibling was m- less interested in brute forcing it that way, but was somehow more naturally good. Um, and it was just interesting to, to observe the differences between the two when at the end of the day, results were probably very similar, but motivations were likely very different. All right, fantastic. And with that said, I want to close, but remind everyone that we very much like to hear from our listeners. Uh, if you have any sort of comments, questions, concerns, nagging doubts, fears, paranoia, any sort of topics you'd like us to cover on the podcast, uh, especially if you have any disagreements, we'd like to hear from you. Please email us at iq at cbqz.org. So iq for inside quizzing at cbqz.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at inside quizzing. And with that, I will say thank you all. Thanks. Listening, everybody. 